Great to have you this morning. We're excited about jumping into this new series. So this is what we're going to do this summer as our family church series. We're going to talk about the the armor of God. We're going to call it body armor. And uh, there's only six parts to the armor, but we have seven weeks. So this first week is really introductory. We're going to be getting into this series and, and where Paul, the apostle who wrote Ephesians, where we're going to be going to, where he's going with this and why he is he's telling us about the, the, the whole armor of God that we need. So just to kind of set a little bit of, of uh, background here, you have Paul writing to a church in Ephesus, and that's why it's called Ephesians. He's, been, he's writing from jail, and he's been in jail now for like five years. And he's writing to these churches and getting updates and trying to figure out how they're doing. And there's this overall emphasis in this book of Ephesians about the spiritual warfare that we're in. And and, and Paul has this unique ability to see beyond what we can see. Like he realizes that, that a lot of the issues that we're having are not coming from right here. Like they're coming from somewhere else and God is trying to combat that, um, and Paul is being used of God as he writes Ephesians to encourage us. So, so to kind of tip us off here, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, we don't have it up here, but he says, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. Did God put him in jail? Like he could have said, I'm a prisoner of the Roman government. He could have said, I'm a prisoner because of the, the, the false accusations gets me of the Jewish leaders. But he identified the problem, that there is something supernatural going on here, and I'm in jail because this is where God wants me right now. And like, like honestly, here's the whole message, and I wouldn't be offended if you left after I said this. Be like, hey, I can beat the Methodist to Cracker Barrel, or whatever denomination you want to beat there, okay? But it's like, where... Where do our problems come from? Like Paul has identified that what is happening in his life is not a result of what we can see. Like there's something happening in a different realm that is affecting what's happening in our life. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. Wait, what? Are you blaming God? No. Paul is just saying, I'm here because this is where God wants me right now. So my question to you is, where does God have you right now? Like, what is God doing in your life that this is where you're supposed to be? And rather than griping and complaining about it, realize that there is something else that's supposed to be happening in your life because of where you are in your life right now. Eric, a prisoner of God. This is where I am. This is my lot in life. And so I have a choice. Like, what am I going to do with this? And so what, what he says is you've got to equip yourself and put on this armor of God. So what I'd like to do, there's a couple verses that kind of precede this typical passage of the armor of God that we're going to jump into here. But the whole book is leading up to this passage in Ephesians chapter 6 because Ephesians chapter 6 is the end of his letter to the church at Ephesus. He says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally... That word finally means I'm going to draw all of this to a close now, right? Everything I've, read, everything I've written to you, we're going to draw all of this to a close. Finally, my brethren, and I just love this so much, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So where do we get our strength from? He says, well, you get your strength from the Lord. 
all right, I'm more pragmatic than that. Like, what does that look like? Okay, so how do we get strength from God? Seriously, like, you don't buy in a can, right? It can't be injected. It's not intravenous. Where do we get strength from God? Here's, here's what's incredible, right? What I'm seeing here is that we get strength from God by doing what he says. Think about it. If we live our life the way that God wants us to live our life, he promises blessing. He promises protection. It's when we step out of, of that umbrella of obedience that we get in trouble and we get spiritually weak. So here's the, here's the principle I think he's trying to say here is that we gain strength through obedience. And I know we don't like to hear that, right? We want to feel the way we want to feel and we want to live the way we want to live and we just expect God to be good to us and make me feel all good and mushy inside. But the truth of the matter is, if we are living a life that is disobedient to God, then how can we expect him to bless us? How can we expect him to to protect us and give us strength? If we are going to be spiritually equipped to fight a spiritual war, then we need to do what God says that we need to do. I think we have a very welcoming church. I think we, we just love you, and we are honestly glad that you're here, and you belong. We're, you're here, right? We are, you're part of who we are. I don't ever want to mistake that sense of hospitality with a misunderstanding that we can live any way we want and still get God's blessings on our life. Because there are principles in Scripture that's like, all right, this is, this is how God says we're supposed to live. Paul knows, and he's conveying it to the church of Ephesus, that the greatest weapon we have in this spiritual war that we are in is not our own strength, but is the strength that comes from living the life that God is instructing us how to live. Now, you may be in a different place than I am in that spiritual journey. You may be a couple miles ahead of me, and there are things that God is doing in your life that he's not doing in my life right now, and that's okay. And I may be a little bit further ahead than you are. And you, and, and you compare your life to the life that I'm living or the life that somebody else is living. And you're like, Eric, I'm not there yet. That's okay. We're on this spiritual journey and we're heading in the same direction. Let's root for each other. Let's help each other. Let's carry each other's burdens. Let's do this together. And my job is not necessarily to point out the areas in your life where you're failing God, but encourage you to live a life in obedience. You know, sometimes you go to the doctor and they can identify a whole lot of stuff that's wrong with you, right? So let's focus on the big stuff first. You, listen, listen, if you've been saved a while or you have a, a long history with God and maybe, maybe, you were, maybe you came to Jesus as a kid and you've kind of been raised this way and there are things that are intuitive to you spiritually that maybe it's not intuitive to somebody else who is still trying to figure out this, this journey, be careful, be patient. Just because you know it doesn't mean you gotta say it. And to be honest with you, just because you know it doesn't mean you're all that anyway. Because the Bible says knowledge puffs up. But charity wins the day. And it's one thing to know how everybody else is supposed to live. It's another thing to know how you're supposed to live in this body of believers. And I'm so much more concerned and in love with the people that God has here in this room. 
and what God is doing in their life than making sure that everybody that is in this room is living the way that I think they ought to live. And I know that that's a delicate balance, okay? And you Pharisees are like, yeah, but. Yeah, but we're responsible. (sighs) Nowhere near what you think, I can tell you that. And so many of you are more interested in making a point than making a difference. And we're here to make a difference in people's lives, not just to show how much you know about the Bible and prove that you're right. I wouldn't even argue that. When I say yes to Jesus and I commit my life to live in obedience to him to the best of my ability, then I get strength from the Lord because it's the way that I'm living that gives me the strength that I have. I think God can give you encouragement. He has a Holy Spirit available to give us comfort. I think he walks alongside of us. But there is, there is something that I believe is supernatural by the obedience that we, that we have. <laughs> we live in a hostile world. And when you became a follower of Jesus, I know you, I know you don't, you, you probably didn't sign up for it. But when you became a follower of Jesus, you were kind of thrown into this conflict. And so Paul is saying we're all in this battle that's a spiritual battle. Whether you like it or not, you're, you've been recruited. You're a, you're a father of Jesus. And now we need to equip ourselves. The next verse says this, chapter 6, verse 11. Put on. Now there's, there's an, that's an imperative. That's like get this done right now. Put it on right now. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So many cool words in here. I love the King James because it, like, it says words we have no idea. We don't even use them anymore, right? What's a while? Is that more than a short amount of time? It's a while. It's going to be a while. But put on. And I think he's referring back to something that he said back in chapter 4 where he said, put on the new man. And it's like this thing that when you become a follower of Jesus... You put on this new man like, like you clothe yourself in who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live. And he says here, he says, he says stand. And we take that so casually, like I'm standing here right now. But if you're thinking the way Paul was thinking in a, in a warfare mentality, the Roman soldiers used to have spikes on their sandals. And those spikes would help them not just like stand like this, but they would literally be able to stand firm and stand against an onslaught because they had spikes in their shoes. And so that's what he's saying. This is an aggressive approach to living the Christian life. Like we are, we are, we are standing firm against what? He says here against the wiles of the devil. Your Bible may say schemes or plans because he does have a plan for your life. He is scheming to try and cause you to fall on purpose, knowing what your weaknesses in particular are. He's creating a plan to cause you to fail. He knows exactly what you like, what you don't like. He knows exactly where your weaknesses are, what your strong points are. And he's going to, he is going to maximize everything at his disposal in his onslaught of you and your relationships and your marriage and your kids and your parents, he's going to do everything he can to destroy that. Ray Steadman wrote a book called Spiritual Warfare, and he said this, Satan destroys by deceiving, by lying, by distorting, by counterfeiting, by masquerading, by clouding human minds with illusion and fantasies. Satan's scheme is deception. It's been his modus operandi 
since the Garden of Eden, right? He took a little bit of truth and he twisted it. He, he got Eve to thinking. He said, he said, has God said, well, this is, this is why I got, this is why I got, see, so, so he begins to, to get you to doubt God's goodness. And he deceived Eve into thinking, well, I mean, he's telling the truth, right? And I want to know what the truth is. And, and so, you know, if I do take this out, I'm going I'm to be like God. And he took some truth and distorted it and deceived Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. That's been his, his way of doing things since the Garden of Eden. And because she doubted God's goodness, she did what God said not to do. So here's, here's the conclusion I came up with. Nothing indicates that the devil's plans are working more than a complaining Christian. Well, how'd you get that, Eric? All right. So if you're complaining about your life, then you are not accepting what God has put in your life. And so you're doubting God's goodness. I know it's hard. And, I, and, 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 you know, there are things that have happened this week in my life to some of my friends where I'm like, well, well, shucks. But that, that doesn't make me feel good. God, I, yeah. And we talked about this last week, right? It's okay to go to God and say, I disagree. That made me mad. That's a good place to start a conversation with God is be honest with him about stuff. And you go to God and you're honest with him and you don't agree and you can't figure this out, but you're communicating to him, right? You're having this conversation with God. And then that's where you start in that prayer with God and then you kind of move on from there. And the idea is to try and see things how God maybe sees them in your life. But when we are just gripe guts and we're just complainers, it's saying that God is not good and God is not doing good for me and God doesn't have my best interest at heart. Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, like Paul identified God as the reason he's in jail. But he wasn't complaining about it. So conversely then, if I rejoice in my tribulations, if I thank God for what he's bringing into my life, now I have victory in the Christian life. Another word here. We'll finish up within this verse is devil, the wiles of the devil. He could have chosen a couple different names for Satan. Satan is just, it's a general term that means our adversary. The devil was intentional, though. The word devil has the, has the connotation of diabolical. Like it is, he is intentionally out to harm us. Through slander, he tries to get in between you and your relationships. He'll separate you in your walk with God. That's what he's trying to do. He is diabolical. So he has these plans. He has these schemes. He's trying to separate you and your loved ones. He's trying to ruin relationships in your life. And we need to live in obedience to the Lord and see things as from God as being good. Verse 12, for we wrestle. Here's where he's going with all of this. So we're going to kind of, we're going to reach the pinnacle here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. This is a very real thing. There is so much happening 
in the invisible that we don't see. And Paul is just putting it out here as plain as you can, that we're not wrestling against each other. We are wrestling against these unseen forces. The word wrestle is really strong here. We think of wrestling as like, you know, WWF. It was much more serious then. Like the, so there was, there was this place um, in Athens called the Palestra. And it looked like a royal palace on the outside, but inside they were training for three different kinds of sports. One sport was boxing. And now we think of boxing like, right, like Mayweather. Like these nice cushiony gloves. Boxing, then the gloves had spikes and metal ribs on it. You could not box in the palestra without wearing a helmet because they didn't want you to die fast. It was for entertainment. And you either surrendered or you died in the ring. There were no rounds. There were no rules. That was boxing. They also, they also taught wrestling. It's like, how did you really teach this, right? How long are guys going to last? But there were wrestlers. In, in the wrestling, there was, there was no getting out of that ring unless you were unconscious or dead. And they were allowed to break bones. They were allowed to gouge out eyes. I mean, it was severe. That was the wrestling that he's talking about. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That was the context that Paul was thinking. Not just like, you know, a couple four-year-old boys trying to knock, 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 knock each other off the king of the hill, you know. There was a third sport that was taught in the palestra called pancreatist. And this was a combination of almost everything. It was the most vicious of all. I read this, that you were permitted to kick, punch, bite, gouge, strike, break fingers, break legs, anything horrible you can imagine. There was no part of the human body that was off limits. Ow. All right? And I think I'm pretty cool because I watch UFC. But who? So here, here's the thing. Who are we wrestling against? He says we're wrestling against not flesh and blood, but against principalities or rulers, against powers or authorities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The conflict is in the invisible realm, but it affects the physical realm. And so here's the thing. We try to fix the physical realm physically, but it's a spiritual thing. The physical realm was not the source. There was a, a mental hospital that had a test to determine if a patient was ready to go back out into society. Turn the sink on, put the stopper in it, and let the sink begin to overflow into the room. They would put the patient in there with a mop bucket and say, I need you to mop up the mess. If the patient just started mopping, they would realize that that patient is not ready to go out into the real world. But if the patient would go over and turn off the faucet and then start mopping, they would realize, okay, they understand. They got some common sense. They have to shut off the source of the water before they start cleaning it up. And that's how they determined that that person was ready for society. Here's our problem. We're running around. And we're trying to put out battles and we're trying to affect change in this physical world and we don't realize where the source is. We are not wrestling against each other. It's not, listen, your wife's not the problem. 
your husband's not, now, your husband might be a problem. All right? But your husband's not the problem. He may be a conduit for the problem. Your kids aren't the problem. Your parents aren't the problem. That's happening in the spiritual realm, and it's affecting the life that you're living intentionally because the devil is trying to weasel his way in there, and he's a master schemer. But all of this is happening in the unseen world, and that's why Paul is saying we have got to defend ourselves. We need to put on the armor of God. Let's take a look at a couple ways that the devil will try to hinder the work of the Lord. First of all, through dissension. We have such a beautiful thing here at Virginia Hills Church. And I'm telling you, if I wasn't pastor here, I'd come to church here. Unless you kick me out, that'd be really weird. But I love this church. I love our people. I love how we treat people. I love the love that we have for each other. I love that we don't all figure out, we've all figured out that we don't have it all figured out. Right? I love that, that we're on this journey together. We're all still trying to figure it out. That's my heart. That's my heart. Like, I will look at you and say, I don't know. Most of the time. <laughs> but let me tell you this. This beautiful spirit that, that we have in here can just blow away in a matter of a few weeks through complaining, through murmuring, through dissension. And Satan has perfected that by learning how to question little things. And I don't know of anything. Honest to the Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know of any issues in our church. I'm just saying, it is, it is so possible to lose a sweet spirit in any relationship through dissension. Guard that. Let me tell you how you, how do you eliminate, how, let me tell you how you eliminate this. This is free. It's not even in my notes. Communication. Mm. Just go talk to somebody. We're so good at talking about people. Just ask me. Let's have coffee. I'll tell you. Go to her. Go to him. Say, listen, honey, this is how I'm feeling when you do that. You don't understand. I, I really need communicate. That removes so many issues. Satan loves to use, this, use dissension against, against your relationships. He also loves to use diversion. Like getting you all wrapped up. Busyness has become like this thing that we do. Like we're proud of the fact that we're really busy. Because we're really important because we're busy. Eric, how you doing? Oh man, I'm really busy. Because you're hoping they get communicated to like uh, I'm really important. Like a lot of people need my time. I'm no more busy than you are. But we like to say we're so busy. We get sidetracked from what's really important. And if he would ask anybody what's really important to you, it's probably not going to be the, same, the things that we are so distracted in doing. So what's important to you? What's important to you before God? Don't get distracted. Keep those the main thing. And then he loves to use destruction, whatever he can destroy, whether it's relationships or marriages or, or spiritual efforts, he is going to try and destroy those things. So if we understand the fact that all of these plans are being hatched and schemed by the devil and his angels, and they are here to try and destroy our lives through dissension, through distraction, through destruction, understand this, and this is a big deal, people are not the problem. You're like, I beg to differ. You don't know who I'm thinking about right now. Right? 
I know there's jerks out there. It's a pretty big club. And it's not very exclusive. There's a lot of jerks out there. Sadly, there's a, there's a, a lot of Christians who are jerks. A lot. Like way too many. Don't be that. But people are not our problem. They may be manifesting it. But Paul's like, I am a prisoner of the Lord, not of the Romans. I'm a prisoner of the Lord, not the Jews. People were not his problem. He knew that God was doing something in his life. That's about what it is. So he moves on here. He says this. He said, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God or put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now that, now that all that's said, now that I've illustrated to you where the real problem lies, I want to emphasize to you, Paul is saying, you've got to put this armor on. And for the next seven weeks, next six weeks, we're going to cover these six pieces of armor. It's going to go like this. First of all, it's, uh, it's the belt of truth. We're going to talk about how, and, and this has always puzzled me. Like you would, I would think the Christian life ought to start with salvation, like putting my trust in Christ. And so I need to put the helmet of salvation on first. But Paul says, no, you've got to put truth on first. You've got to put a belt of truth. We're going to talk about that, what truth is and how important that is in our life. We're going to talk about the breastplate of, right, of righteousness. And that it's actually possible to live a righteous life in our culture and what that needs to look like. We're going to, I think I misspelled this, but it's the feet, our feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. We are peace ambassadors. Like we are trying to unify people and create good relationships and spread peace. Does that sound like the kind of Christianity you're familiar with? That's who we need to be. And then the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So my encouragement to you is to do this. So, so what I'd like for you to do, and, 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 and if you have the handout that is in your bulletin, there's questions on the back. If you're part of a community group, a lot of your community groups are going through those, those discussion questions. Um, um, if not, I still think that they are good for follow-up Bible study. In the back of the kids program that we handed out, there are conversation starters. There are discussion questions that you and your kids can have about obedience and, and, and how that protects us and all those good things. You know, customize them for your own kids. But the idea is to take what we are talking about in here out into the week. Because I, I don't want a Sunday faith. I want a Monday through Saturday faith, right? I don't want to just leave here and say, well, that's a nice sermon, Eric. Thanks. All right, let's go and just behave the same way we've always done. Take what you're learning and grow in that and have these conversations with your kiddos or with your spouses and make this a thing. But let's do this. Let's get ready for this series about the armor of God. And let's prepare ourselves to protect ourselves, and to stand firm because we are in a battle. We like to blame people, but people aren't the problem. There is something going on behind the scenes, and that's what we need to address. That's maturity, and that's what we're looking for. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. 
And I pray, Father, you would just help us to stand firm, that we would realize where the problem is, where it's coming from, and address that. Help us to love people well. Help us to be a shining light in this culture that we live in. Help us to know you more so we can become more of who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.